0: Early on, I used to have all the information, and then you'd a uh, buyer an inquire, and I'd send them all the information. And I, wonder, I was wondering why it didn't work, because surely I was being efficient. Surely I was giving more than other people were, which I was. But you're giving it all, and then well, I'm not, I wasn't selling them; well, I'm not coming in. <laughs>
1: You are listening to the Property Developer Podcast, your home for tips, ideas,
0: and inspiration to help take your developing to the next level. Now, here's your host, Justin Getty.
1: Hello, and welcome to episode 32 of the show. It's great to have you with me. I trust your projects are progressing nicely. I have a wonderful show for you today as I speak with a top agent about selling property off the plan. Just before we get to that, here's a quick update on my projects. The big news is that my 20 townhouse project is finished. Hooray! And most of the properties have settled, which is nice. The settlements went reasonably smoothly, only one that we are having difficulty with, but that will get sorted out in the next few days as they have been issued with a notice of rescission, which basically means settle up or the contract will be torn up and you'll lose your deposit. So I'm sure that will be enough to get things moving. So most of the buyers have moved in and are now getting settled into their new homes. And it feels a little weird waving goodbye to the project and not really having any reasons to visit the place anymore. It was a pretty busy time leading up to the settlement with mountains of paperwork to sign and settlement sums to figure out. But we got there and the project is now over. I made a short wrap-up video to showcase the development and I'll put a link to that in the show notes. So check it out if you want to see how it all looks. With my other project, we had our community consultation meeting a few weeks back and that was an interesting experience. There were probably 35 to 40 people there from the area, including the local councillor, and all of them were pretty much against what we are proposing. We tried to educate the room around what is allowed under the local planning scheme and how our proposal is actually quite conservative next to each of the controls that are in place, like heights, setbacks, etc. Anyway, our application goes to a council meeting in about a month, and we will see if they vote in favour of it or not. We really should get a permit if our application is assessed against the planning scheme. However, it has become quite political, so that will cloud the council's thinking, I'm sure. So keep your fingers crossed we get a good result. Okay, on to today's show. I speak with Campbell Cooney, a director of Hodges in Brighton, about selling property. Campbell has been in the real estate industry since the 80s, so has lots of experience... We have a good chat about how you go about marketing projects off the plan, how to give the market what it wants, and what materials and information you need to have ready when you start selling your project. I started off by asking Campbell what food he would eat until he was sick, and his answer surprised me.
0: A uh, squid risotto. Really? Yeah. <laughs> my favourite dish in the world. <laughs> it's from Venice, it's from northern Italy, with squinting risotto. In fact, uh, some of my questions on, on uh, um, password questions on in the internet, when you have to put in what's your favourite f- food, and it's mine, squinting. Oh, that's good, man. No, like, we need to get into your bank So insurance. I don't even think about that? Squinting <laughs> risotto. It's, it's, squid it's uh, that or Gorgonzola. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that can cause problems yeah. Gorgonzola. <laughs> if you eat too much. I bought some rocket fit yesterday as a matter of fact to put in there to have it with a, um, a rocket pear, r- rocket pear, rocket fit and walnut salad to have for the steak last night that I didn't get because I got too late and you know, I ordered it in pizza no, nice. but it's still in the fridge. <laughs> and is that the
1: Gorgonzola to go on the squid
0: ink risotto? No, no, no. The best things can't quite go together but if you See a menu at a restaurant, I say Gorgonzola in there, it, it leaps in, in, into a podium finish of where I'm going to choose from. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like the squidding, I did go to Venice because that's the home of it, and I only went to restaurants for a whole week that had it, and I had a different one at each restaurant, and it was different way they cook it, and a different one, and that was it. I was squidding down for the end of the week. Very nice. Mm-hmm. Well,
1: Campbell, we're here today to talk about selling mm-hmm. the properties and the off-the-plan selling and project selling. Can you give us a bit of a background
0: about how you got into property and the kind of sales that you do? Okay, well, I've been in property since 1983, 8th of August. I can't remember my anniversary, but I can remember that one. (laughs) The 8th of August, 83, I I was a footballer back then, that was more important, so I didn't. And uh, my younger brother had gone straight from school into real estate. I'd finished a marketing degree and didn't know what to do because marketing at that time it was advertising and they were chaps with small short chaps of bow ties. Who, I can't say not not banker but the W word. And uh, so I thought no oh, one do that. And then so real estate would would do. And then found out very quickly that it suited. Which which is more like than good design. It just suited. Why is that? Uh, my father was salesperson, so both uh, my brother and I, and I've got a sister, but my brother and I are natural sales people, as it turns out. And I have a, uh, a fondness or propensity for numbers, and that's been handy. Which is that right brain? It's right brain, isn't it? Something right left brain? Brain's yeah. artistic. Yeah. I don't. I've got three, two, ninety-nine percent right brain. I think. That'll let me draw a picture for you. I was going to say, yeah, your numbers seem to be working out there. <laughs> it's all it's all right, by Stuff. So numbers, I can remember. phone numbers. I can remember numbers. Um, I'm not that good at names. And are numbers important in
1: property?
0: Can be. Yes. Well, obviously, there's one very important number. Yes. What's <laughs> the sale price? What they want and what you're actually going to get. Yeah. Yes. So uh, numbers, it just helps a great deal. I find that uh, it's an advantage. Someone comes into a property and say, "Well, what's the rate per square meter?" Or I used to do commercial property and do rental, and they say, "What's the going rent around here?" So I just divide up the rent I wanted by the size of the building in my head and tell them that's the rate. Said and do the number, and they agree. I taught my kids as we were, when we go to the supermarket when they were little, if we were buying Coke, is the six, 12... Or fourteen, they do odd numbers. Fourteen or twenty or thirty stack of say coke cans better because some are on special, so you have to divide the the number of cans into the price to so get down to per can. And you often found out that the twelve or the the ten was cheaper than the thirty bulk. It was a con, and you got in there, so you got down to per thing. So just do that in your head; it's good fun. But it's, it, it it helps. Just haven't known the numbers. Being on top of rates per square metre uh, for, for developments, rates per square foot, and, and how that relates to part of what you need to sell.
1: And then there's been a lot of development around this area for the last couple of years. A lot of project sales. Tell us a little bit about your
0: experience there. Yeah, well, development's changed over the last few decades from in the eighties some renovations and maybe some small uh, some ta- some townhouse things. Um locks were popular, you know, put the old as of right ten square hundred square meters, ten point seven six squares in the backyard, and up those in you can do those uh, lots of those corners. And you see some of those older ones that are now being demolished because it's got more heavily developed. But as the, the rules change and density and the the demand And the relaxation of the rules for development, it's changed. And we've gone from townhouse developments now to predominantly apartment developments. Some townhouses and areas, in the blocks of land, are worth all of that. Land to develop, land is worth what you can get on it. So if I can get four, four units on it, it's worth more than if I could get three or two as a as a general rule, if I get four levels on it or five, it's worth better than, more than three because you divide up the amount of land, so you can pay more. So that was a, that's changed. So the zonings and the ability to, to have higher density in areas in the in the in the, in the zones around shopping centres and transport hubs and railway stations has has made a change. It's changed what we're making people retire to. Used to retire to a smaller house called a townhouse. Now they're, not, they're becoming less available, so we're going to force you to live in an, in an apartment, maybe in the same suburb where you are, but you're at its apartment living in different styles.
1: And how has the marketing or the selling of
0: those types of projects changed over the decades? Well, there are different styles of developments, different sizes, and some companies have become specialists in that and some, uh, some accounting firms and placement firms have become specialists in in placing them in, um, lo- locally and, and overseas, and getting paid very lucratively, it's. Uh, I don't think the buyers always realise that there aren't any free lunches. And if an agent's getting paid lots of money, it's in the price somewhere. A bit like the old um, guaranteed rent, it's in the price, it's in the price. And uh, a stamp duty, a stamp duty saving, which has just changed recently, but the stamp duty saving. In the beginning, I'll buy off the plan, it was an incentive, and people looked at that, but they need to look at that in concert with the price. Because it's the price, right? If the price is high and you save stamp duty, you're still paying the same as you would at the other end. So it is the right property, and if there is a stamp duty saving, is the, the right product for me, and is the price appropriate for the property. But the, the style of it, so the, the common agent, which we are, the normal old fashioned agent, has had to make some changes. And... We tend to, to do the what we call boutique. Boutique used to be under ten, then it was under sixteen, then it was under twenty. Now boutiques under forty, I think, is the general rule of thumb that that we can handle. Uh, so the, the boutique, the smaller ones, when they're doing towers and bigger stuff, and they need it to be, you need a, a specialist team that just focuses focuses on that and, and get because it needs to be in and out. And so when you're marketing these boutique. Properties. What are you
1: thinking about in your campaign or your marketing? Or how do you work with the developer to
0: market and sell them? If you've said the words work with a developer, if you have the opportunity to work with and not for, it's much better. You're, because if you're in concert, because you have the same aim. The aim is to sell them for an appropriate level. An appropriate level isn't necessarily milking the last dollar out of it and certainly not giving them away. But there is an appropriate level that they've sold within a reasonable time frame because there's a, there's a funding mechanism there for most of the developers. So it's in a reasonable time frame at a reasonable price and, and then that money's done and that's banked in inverted commas and they can move on to another development having done the sales. Some of the, the very experienced developers ask you initially to price developments on the basis that I want them sold within two weeks. So what prices do you need to sell them within two weeks? Not the old style agency pitching for the business and telling um, uh, the vendor that it might be worth more than one off sales but on these what's the how, how quickly can you sell them and at what price do we need to have it at a, at a reasonable level the inexperienced developers hang out and it costs them costs them a lot more it takes them months or sometimes years to sell and it doesn't work when you say hang out what do you mean they hang out for price they put on a price they look at what the rate per square meter if it's an apartment or what, what what's the best price that is achieved and that's what I want and if it's the best price that's achieved it's there it may be a reason it might be a one-off but they're just just harder so yeah uh, you know, that old Attitude that you leave something for the next person. You're not quite doing that. But you're saying, if this is a fair price and I get a, and I get a good lick out of it, a good profit at the end of it, my feasibility says that's a good profit. If it happens to be worth a little bit more at the other end, well, there's sale la V. But you've moved on with that profit, and and hopefully you've got in training the next one to, to keep doing it again. It's turnover, turnover is important. Positive turnover. Positive turnover of I've sold, I bought, it cost. There's a margin, and I've got a margin out of it. And
1: you mentioned the if you get the chance to work with, not for the developer, oh,
0: can you just expand on that a little yes, bit? Yes. Uh, uh, the, uh, there's trust issues with all sorts of business. So first of all, finding someone where you can trust their judgment and understand. So we will often, well, not often enough, but often get in on the ground floor. So someone will purchase some land and come and consult with you on the basis that we'd like to appoint you to be the agent for us from ground zero rather than doing the development, going through town planning, working with the architects, then starting to build them, saying, no, even before building, we need to sell some, let's find an agent. We can assist with... Because we're in a marketplace, so we open houses and apartments and townhouses all the time, and buyers tell us what they like about it and what they don't. So what's important? So if you have a development, is it important to have uh, Dr. vacuum? Is that important? Is the laundry, should you have a separate laundry? Should you have a, a European-style laundry? Is the level of appliances that make a difference. Uh, what, should my floors be timber or tile? All those sorts of questions you can have. The, the design, what size? What size is optimum? And the sizes have just changed in the last year or so because they first started... When I first started, you know, quite a few years ago, it was it was they were slightly bigger, so they were versions of townhouses, but they were in apartments, too big. Then we went with the smaller ones because they were easier to sell, a lot more people to afford, and that worked. Now people are happy not just to have some of these developments as investments; they think of places to live in there, so they got occupiers, So you want a, a size that I can fit in, so a two bedroom. That's 55 squares, which is really a shoebox, and you you'll let one of your kids stay in there while they're at uni, but you won't live there yourself. And the courtyard fits half a Weber because the other half's taken up by the air conditioning unit, and it doesn't work. So it might look good on paper. There's many a development that's um, come failed, and if they'd had to sell them at the end, they wouldn't have, because they look better on paper. People don't understand size often and you you see them, they've got 65 to 72 square metres, it's a three bedroom two bathroom, try and draw that in without a stand up bed so it's just not there, so they're getting slightly bigger so we try to work with the developer uh, and their architect and their designers and and with the marketing and saying let's give the public what they want then they'll want to buy them from you and if they want to buy them from you they'll pay 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 the appropriate money and you won't have to compromise, so don't give them what you think they want, say what they actually want. And it's not that difficult to look at developments that have been successful, ones that have sold quite well and then often some resales will go well, that one's worked. Is it a combination of position, style, finishes, price, all those sorts of things come into play. And when you're doing any form of development, you're building something to give, sell to others, uh, so find out what they want. Is your target market investors? It's different to is it owner occupiers? Is it empty nesters? Is it the older generation? Is it the younger generation? Because that will tell you sizes of rooms, the style. Is it a conservative area? Not a conservative area. What would I build something different in St Kilda than I would in Black Rock? Totally. People in Black Rock will say that looks interesting and not buy any. St. Kilda, I St that's as boring as hell and, and you know, I wouldn't go to Black Rock but that style of thing in St Kilda won't fit either so there is a, a demographic that's a, de- a demographic to look at So, and how would you go about gathering that market intelligence um, well it'll be partly where it is so each if you look you go through the suburbs and I, if I mention the suburbs to you, you and say Oakley or Essendon or South Yarrow You'll say, well, there's different types of people that live in those three areas. Different nationalities. Often we go to Springvale, and you'll be the tall white guy. You'll be on your own. So, what are they? But what's important? You know, you go to areas and areas where we have Asians or Europeans. There are certain. Prerequisites. Uh, what do you call that when you're born with something? And so it's a natural, a, na- a natural. It's intrinsic in their body that will have, like the old Greeks years ago, only by brick. If you had a weatherboard, beautiful weatherboard, no wood. Ask you, is it, is it wood? <laughs> oh, yes, it is a classic California bungalow weatherboard home. No? Not for you, I guess. But so yeah, it must be brick, 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 and that, that's inbuilt brick and the concrete, the grass at the back. Uh, it's just what, where they are so people are easy to sell to if, you're, if you're, their predispositions are satisfied same with um, investor markets and Asian markets uh, just understanding now it's, that's a bit of experience but understanding what they ask for and is that talking to local agents? talking to people who do their stuff to, uh, so you're looking for many we spoke off record before about how you choose an agent but uh, it's an agent suitable and we're not suitable for every property. And that's not, that's not your benchmark. So you find, as a business, we find uh, we try and find a fat band of, 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 of selling. It's at the middle level, because if you sell all cheap stuff, and there isn't enough of it, if you only do the top end, well, in 2009, you were twiddling your thumbs, because the top end wasn't moving. So where is that band? And it's a middle band that's good for turnover, but then it's understanding what those people want. And you tell me, this is what they ask for. Do we put in um, theatres in the bottom of houses or apartments now? Or is a cellar better? Well, theatres were, but no-one uses them. Saunas. Saunas in the 80s and 90s. 80s more. In the 90s, well, they're full of storage boxes. That, they hardly get used unless that's a person. So you wouldn't put a sauna or a, or a, or a steamer in a, in a house unless it was ordered. But now cellars and basements are the go. Used to be um, house, tennis court, and pool. Now it's multi levels with multi parking underneath in a cellar. And maybe, a game, maybe it's a room if you've got extra space or, or work stuff in storage, but using less land because land has become expensive. So to, to, when you say work with, uh, there's one we're working with now in Brighton. They've, they've got some conceptual drawings. They're going to do about 10 apartments. They're going to be um, quite boutique, quite upmarket. So the developer going for so they'll be at the upper end of price, which is fine. because is only nine or ten million, but they will have to deliver the value for the dollar. So if I'm spending two million dollars or three million dollars on a property, the finishes and what I'm getting must be commensurate with that price. It can't be what I, what I can buy for one point two million dollars, same same tiles or same stone. Doesn't work. Doesn't work. Just it's and then it's creating that. Uh, point of difference that this is a, bit, a little bit exclusive and maybe I love that fear of loss but maybe you can't have one but tell someone they can't have something and they want more so you're you, you, you creating and then you're moving into marketing and the marketing is again geared about the demographic if I'm selling to the more mature well it's a different style of selling and a different pace and when you're talking to them it's a different voice but it's a different pace of selling than if, you're, if you've got Forty, one and two bedders. So, when you're talking about
1: pace, talk to talk to me a little bit more about that. Uh, well,
0: the length of time that you're talking well, to them, the gestation period for a deal. Yeah. older people are the worst because mostly uh, empty nesters. Uh, they start there's a process that they start. I think it might be time to move out of the family home. I think it's and it's usually later than they should be doing it anyway. They hang in there the house is too big they've been rattling around and we needed those bedrooms for the, for the grandkids and the grandkids don't come because they're not interested either and they get dumped once in a while and, they, they, and you find you don't need such a property but then they start to look but they don't have to move so they look and it takes sometimes it takes a year for them to get around and say okay now I'll make a move so the questions you ask are how long have you been looking have you tried to buy anything have you seen anything you like and that will tell you whether you follow them up again for a while, in a serious manner or not. But they take, they take longer to look, as against the same couple or people who are buying a little investment. So they've got some equity in the house and it's time to buy some property and we want that. And, uh, and certain areas are Melbourne-wide and other areas are localised. So, for example, once you get out of the city, and let's head south, because it's the area I know, out of the city, if you, you go Elk Park, South Melbourne, Middle Park, St Kilda, Elwood well the owners are everywhere some, lots, some are local but they, they come from anywhere lots of people have a, a, an apartment in Elwood and they don't live in Elwood whereas uh, we've some developments around here I think there was 22 in Durham Street 95% of the inquiry were, was from people who were Bayside related so that tells you what I need, need to do International advertising. I don't know, Sydney or all that sort of thing. The internet will cover a bit, but most of the inquiries, people who are either in Bayside and they like to drive past it. It's, very familiar, it's It's that familiarity. So the boutique stuff's easier, that's more a local agent. The bigger towers at um, um, the BPM one, there's one in the corner of, say, City Road and Clarendon Street, well, they'll come from overseas, everywhere. And therefore, there also be warned when you buy into one who else is buying in? If they're owned by half half the building, or half of Asia age or, age or half of India's is bought that building, well, that's going to reflect in the building, and you have to decide whether that's your thing or not. So, when you sit down and start
1: mapping out a campaign or enough plan selling campaign, what are the things that you're thinking about, or, and what are the tactical elements of that that you would always look to roll
0: out? I tend to think in reverse, so you think about who the bot, what who we're targeting, and hope that you're... Pre-work is is right. So we're designing these things for certain people. Pre-work, and then say, well, what do those buyers need or want? What's it? What information is important? From uh, and then you you also come down to personality styles. Some people want some sales evidence and some numbers evidence and some sizes and rates per square meter and this and this and this and, that and how big's the balcony? How big are the bedrooms? Those sorts of things. That's important. That numbers people often important, and they'll ask you. Well, their first questions will be sizes and bedroom sizes and this size and ceiling heights. So they, you need that information in your um, in, in your bag of tricks just to, to satisfy those. But the partner, their partner may be the left brain side and may be visual. So telling them numbers is just, they might as well be speaking Latin. So you need to draw the picture and if you can't draw the picture mentally... You need to show them pictures, so good renders, if you have, have them, so that they, they can see. And on bigger developments, you'll have displays. On boutique ones, you'll have uh, lots of pictures, and the, the more itemised it is, the better they can see it. And and or sample boards. Here's a sample. With uh, Generally, with limited choice. If you give them too much choice, they can't make a decision. And from a builder or developer's point of view, they don't want too many changes. You can choose, we have, here we have the carpet, what, which colour would you like? Here's the timber, you can have a, a lighter shade or a darker shade, you can be lime or not lined so, so to speak, or a paint colour. Once you've purchased, if you want a hot pink bathroom, you can have one, paint, <laughs> but they don't want to change everything, that's just too hard. But uh, you don't want to give, also don't want to give them too much choice on numbers of units, so if you've got a group of units that are varying price ranges, establish your prospective purchasers' numbers, what, what what their budget they have, and give them a choice of a couple, not ten, so they don't go away with all the plans. So you have um, take home packs that and, that they can look at, but they're take home packs that you have created for that person when you've met them. In 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 this game, I learnt early on. I used to have all the information, and then you'd get uh, a buyer and inquire, and I'd send them all the information. And I wonder, I was wondering why it didn't work, because surely I was being efficient. Surely I was giving more than other people were, which I was. But you're giving it all, and well, I'm not, I wasn't selling them, they weren't coming in. So now you learn that you give them a teaser, yes, we have something here It's really good. No, I can't send you the list of finishes and all the plans. I need to meet you in the boardroom or in, in the meeting room, we're sitting there. I set, up, I set up the time. Say, so here's the teaser. Here's a couple of nice pictures of what it's going to look like, and uh, maybe an indication of price. Just a little bit of information, and so say, this is good. Um, what time next week would you like to come in? There's one on one. Then you can read the personalities, give them the information, and establish very quickly are they a buyer or are they a looker? They always come in as buyers. Yeah, I'm looking. I'm looking to buy. I'm a buyer. Well, they're not. They might be a researcher. On their path to becoming a buyer, but they're not a buyer yet. So establish that you, um, agents aren't paid by the hour. So you, you don't want to sit around with people who are going to make decisions for a year. So you have to work out who is going to who, who is worth we up. And in t- in these times where there's r- quite reasonable demand, there's too many people to deal with. So deal with the ones so that are going to give you the reward, and the reward is
1: the, the reward to your developer as well. And so, what kind of questions would you use to screen those buyers to determine that mm-hmm. they're serious.
0: What they've uh, what they've been looking for, I mean, what they're after, but it's really finding uh, what their situation is. What their situation is. What's the purpose of, of doing it? Are they buying it for them? I are mean, they for the kids? Is it in the super fund? Uh, have they done it before? What, what sort of budget? Are, are they financed? Are they what their visa is nowadays? Because a lot of them are foreigners. What, uh, what sort of visa have they got? Have they got now? We have to know. Um, the Foreign Investment Review Board rules, and what happens if you've got a, a one eighty eight visa versus you've got a temporary visa versus you, you know, if you've got um, you're heading towards um, PR per, a permanent residency. So know whether they can buy or not, and what and what they need to do. That will that will sort it out. And uh, but then really what what that they, what they're after, will will tell you, and how long they what they've been looking, at, are, are they ready? And you have to sort through them pretty quickly because it's. Uh, if they're not the older people, which might take a bit longer, and they'll want to think about it and maybe see it, looking at it, and, you know, and, and provide and then provide the relevant information. And with those take-home packs, what kind of content would you include in those? Well, you have your whole suite of information, and then you put in the pack what's relevant to them. Because if they don't care who the builder is, there's no need to go into it. But lots. The more, if they're a bit nervous nellies, they might say, who's the developer? Who's the builder? Do they have a reputation? Do I, and builders, uh, developers all often come and say, do I need a name? Do I have to use Hubei as a designer? Do I have to have uh, the landscaper? Do I have to have Robert Mills, the architect? Do I, who do I use? Do, what sort of these? And them get celebrities, like one well, of the local ones had... Um, was a celebrity, he'd, he'd helped design the kitchen. I think they had a cup of coffee and he asked me some opinions about it because I can I use your name for a few grand? Yeah, sure. And his name gets used because he helped design the kitchen. Which in reality, he just didn't say it was awful. Uh, so, but they're, they're, they're marketing things. Uh, but take home stuff, you'll have information about the builder, you'll have information about the architect because this can be important. So you have a list of... To prove that this is a serious development and take away any any question marks over the, the integrity of the development, if you have a list of all the professionals that are involved, the building surveying company, the engineering company, the mechanical engineering company for the air conditioning, just they have all the names down there, you list them and with a nice little logo next to them, that's one of the pages that, that they can have. Uh, one I'm doing currently, I have uh, the builder, I've I, I did it myself. I'm, it's because I'm saying for a development of four they're keeping some so I'm selling two so I don't, I don't have the, the benefit of samples and all that but i got the architect and made up a brochure on the architect with a, with a, with a website they can go to and they can select and they, they look at what they've done before just proving their credibility and credentials same with the builder I look if they got a decent website yes good it makes it easier And they're the professionals they're really good with the website puts that one to bed. So that's important. So, um, and then it's uh, take-home packs will have floor plans, have individual floor plans of the units or townhouses, and you'll select which ones might suit them. Are they a front one, a back one, and a, a ground floor, or a first floor, upper level, lower level, budget, and car parking, etc. So you'll, you'll, by talking to them, you'll send them home with, um, here's a couple of plans on, on these that, you, that interest you. So the pricing, the pricing of those, they don't need to know all the prices. Uh, You don't make anything up, you don't say something's sold, but it's not, because as soon as it's not true, then you've lost all credibility anyway. Uh, But uh, you'll have a schedule of finishers. These are the finishers, these are the appliances. I have a little checklist for inexperienced developers to say this is the information you need. If it's in a group, body corporate. Estimated body corporate and keep it basic. There's no seeking funds, there's no extras. Because body corporates, uh, owners' corporations have a negative connotation. How much is it going to cost me? Hardly anything at this stage, until you all agree. But he's again, it's a set-up. This, this is pro- uh, proposals. Uh, what, um, and you know, understand, you I know all the bits and pieces. If they're not local, the transport hubs and what's, what's around schools and bits and pieces in case, and you have all that information that if it's relevant, it go, that, that sort of stuff can go in there. And have a, we all have finance arms or finance links if they need some finance, but off the plan we're just looking for a deposit. Nowadays we need 10% because the banks don't recognise them if they've been under, uh, or a bank guarantee. And we can worry about finance later, worry about timing later. Estimate time of finish. You know, time, time of time construction. And any small changes they can make, but you don't offer those, they will uh, suggest it. Uh, certain styles you have fixed prices if the prices are right they're fixed can I um, can I negotiate you know, can I yes, yes you can negotiate which unit you want not the price I did that once because I thought I was 100% the prices were right they said we negotiate I said you can negotiate uh, you can have that one or that one between that's your. but no the prices that's, they're, they're the prices and because the prices were fine and we sold them others if it's an experienced developer and they're asking too much, I'm not one of those right at the moment. I think we're 200 grand too much. So if I get some resistance, I show some flexibility. But the owner knows I'm people wants to try for that. But I'd look at an offer, it's not the best way to go. But if I the price uh, some nationalities, prefer a fixed price because you ask them to negotiate, they become uncomfortable. Why is it negotiate? Why, why is it too near uh, Others expect to negotiate. You can pick nationalities and I'll tell you which ones are happy with that. Uh, but, uh, so the, the information you have, you have everything that is that might be asked about. You have to know the development, know when it is. Uh, experience, what have they done before? Two, um, three out of ten will ask, who's Fred Smith developments? What have they done before? There might be some builders are doing their first ones or second ones, In the last one, and people even silly enough they'll go and have a look at something a builder's built for someone else, and they say it's not very attractive. I say, well, that's what they were told to build. It's not their fault. Not their fault if a you build a someone wants a pink house and you build it. it Doesn't mean that you chose it. They just want to see that this is not a fly-by-night thing. You see on TV shows and so forth that people don't finish jobs or I'm locked in, and it's amazing how many people don't check the contracts well enough. What's the sunset clause? How, how long am I locked in for? I'm here for five years because those limits are gone now. So uh, they don't necessarily check that, but make sure your contract is appropriate because if they do check it and there's something out of order, then you'll, you'll lose the deal and you don't want to lose the deal.
1: You talked about the reputation of the developer and also the builder. How important is that to you when you're dealing with someone or if you've got someone, say, who's inexperienced? Who comes in and talks to
0: you? Well, well, yes, as far as a an experienced developer, hmm. well then we have to set up the scene. That's when you get the backup of some of their their professional services. So who are they using? So here's the here's the developer, or the, and who will and, your, and your builder? Here's their architect. But when you read these, and it's all a draft person, and the wife's chosen everything else, and there's any, you start to get worried about it all. Chinese one recently, when well, he's had a Chinese builder from China. who's was out for the first time, and I thought this is a, this is this is all going south. And he wanted the the cheapest possible products he could get. I this it'd be carefully own reputation in these two, but uh, but if someone's any, just a little bit inexperienced, well, then if you uh, what's that what's that saying? Um, have good people around you. So make sure that's part of the you know, agent's job is to lend your experience and your reputation or your firm's reputation behind and say it's a good product we've been around for so long that remember I mean, many years uh, people assume things will be okay because you've got a good reputation you know, in, in, in Bayside and Brighton oh, you've got a good reputation so we know you wouldn't do the wrong thing you know, it was good I don't have that same level of trust personally I'd check it just to confirm but, uh, people will go and sign a contract for a development or you'll buy a house and you won't have looked. You assume it's okay, and most of the time it is. Yeah. But the conditions in the contract are prepared by whose solicitor? The vendors. So who might they be protecting? Just make sure that they they're not over protected to your disadvantage. But generally speaking, that's most of that's pretty standard now. Then you'll have plans of subdivision sizes of this and. We'll sort of thing so you've got got everything so you ask me 10 questions I have the 10 answers you ask me three and I give you the three because if you're happy you're happy and tell me what are some of
1: the things that developers do that frustrate you as an agent Uh,
0: tell you things that they know they can't deliver like it'll be finished by Christmas and you represent a bit of that uh, that's a quick build and finished by Christmas and it becomes June they haven't started and they think this is not going to happen so uh, tell you the truth changing getting towards the end of the building phase towards the end and they've worked out it's cost them more than they thought so they start to cut back and it's that's a big mistake but you cut they cut back things you can see and shrink things and change change this and, and they becomes become very frustrating just not being honest is, is not great Uh and or um, becoming impatient that you're not selling them quickly enough. And the other agent has told me that he's got lots of buyers, lots of buyers, and he's surprised at how, how, how conservative the pricing is. <laughs> I've probably been surprised myself sometimes, or said, said the same thing with the opposition, but it's just understanding that if you can have a relationship for the period, well, it will a relationship and you're you're going together and you're going to be honest it's nice to be able to be see we we worry about getting appointed so if you are appointed early then you can be open and frank with your advice you're not tempered by I don't want to get the boot I don't want to make the uh, developer builder whoever it is unhappy with me because then he'll choose someone else so just set about whatever your fees are the fees are everything's reasonable and the fees generally are better for sales of plans and then they are for the normal house uh, but that's how they should be it's a, it's, a, it's a bit of work and when you get paid all that sort of stuff so, but you set the relationship in place that you can be frank to each other and he knows because you mightn't have a buyer today but this afternoon someone rings you do an option campaign and have a buyer and someone sends up in the day you say what well, a great agent I am great great or lucky uh, so, so long as you follow them through and you keep records of the people and you good agents will have records of the people who have inquired last time and on their other developments so you can, you can get a head start with your databases there. that's only short term and then you're, then you're looking at the inquiry and it's what you do with inquiry and the response times and your email response times and your telephone re- re- return response times, uh, that, that sort of thing is quite important you got to move quickly when you're selling off the plan. Yeah, and it, it's, it's a bit of a sense of urgency too, rather than you know, the the selling fast and huge success. Uh, I always wonder about when there's only two left. Be, you know, quick? I think only two left. They they wouldn't be the better ones, would they? <laughs> you would. Maybe I'm maybe I'm thinking half full rather than half empty. So whichever way, which way, the negative one is, you know, half full, but. Uh, so a bit, a bit, bit of urgency in there. Come in uh, if you can get someone to come into the office. Then piggyback it with the next inspection of someone coming into the office. If they, someone's ready, it's like if you're selling a selling a property, it's better if they come through the open for inspection. They see the other people that might be interested because then you can create fear of loss. You might miss out. a be quicky secure it before he does. That, 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 that sort of thing, and it's time to wait. So you, you you keep on them until you establish where it's going to. Generally, a longer a negotiation, the longer people consider a place, the less likely they are to to buy. So they look, a bit like China, they look, they peak, and then they start start to go down the other side of the mountain. And earlier, um,
1: before we started recording, we were talking about the stages of selling and you mentioned it's... Tends to be easier to sell off the plan before construction started and then towards the end, and then. But through the middle, it's
0: harder. Yeah, during, during the construction phase, uh, beforehand is normal, you're selling it, this is what you're doing, and you're, you're booking it a year in advance, and you're selling stamp duty and all those sorts of things, and that's good. And it's just on pictures. When it starts to take shape, people get a different picture, and they look, I'll, I'll wait to see how it goes. There's not that urgency anymore if you're still trying to sell them, and they'll, they'll want to they like Judas Iscariot. I want to see if you'll touch it before I believe. So they'll. All, so that's when it gets towards the end. But in the middle, when it's a building site, they can't see much and it's just there. There's no urgency to buy. So there seems to be the the hardest time to get commitment is always during the construction stage, but, um, which is when they've just started, is OK. But as it starts to come out of the ground, it seems to slow down. And then towards the end, they can see what it is, start to get an idea of what it looks like. It does... Somewhat resemble your renders in the beginning, and they don't. And lots of people can't imagine. Although that's not true, they all imagine, but what's in their imagination? There's no resemblance to what it's going to look like. And then, so they have a mental picture of, uh, of this side, It's going to look like that. And then they're, oh. they went away for a year and came back. So it's completely different to what I expected, and it is. If we're run a company and the reception sounds really nice. She's tall and blonde, oh, I'm thin brunette. And you get there and she's not. It's different. It's just that where you have a, a perception of what something might be and then you meet the guy and say, oh, you're taller than I thought you'd be over the phone. How would that work? <laughs> you've got more hair, you've got less hair or something. Uh, so at the same here, they people have an idea and that's part of when you're selling, what's their picture, what, what sort of picture do they have in their mind and nod. Yes, it's, it's, you're trying to get on the comedian to the, the same wavelength what they are after and you're massaging uh, often in apartments like uh, it's malleable. it's like flash the I'm massaging them into, into the shape you, you like and try and pick up on their points and say do they match Do so you have a, a glove that fits the hand to a, to, a, to some extent
1: and so how would you go about choosing a selling
0: agent as a developer uh, it's it's partly there'll be some Agencies that do business around there, but generally an agency doesn't sell it. It's the it's the people. So who's taking responsibility for your for your development? Who's because you don't get to negotiate with the buyers, you don't get to source them and negotiate. So what's their track record, level of effort, and that sort of thing? So they're better with the reputation, but meet with them and talk. Would you buy something off them? It's a bit a bit of a start, but uh, some of the developers, especially builders, are all gnarly type blokes so uh, what they what they do is isn't always its not isn't isn't always what the public will do. It's a bit like what I put in my house and how I'd renovate isn't what the general people would do. So you you are appointing some people to represent your interests. So have, have an agreement. you have an agreement of what's going to happen. Understand it. Don't just point it sign a bit of paper and hope. But what information do they need? What it, how are they going to do it? And then they will, uh, 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 as you process, I'd be saying okay, we'll, we'll, have, we'll organise the information. Uh, if it's a bigger development, they'll they'll have their own marketing, advertising agency. will help. We quite like that because they can pay direct, or we'll, and the smaller ones, they'll need our help, or they'll have to use our, our agency and, and do it, and then we'll, and this work through it. So it's 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 all very logical. Uh, 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 are they giving? Are they responding, but Are they going to give the buyers what they need, and then the follow-up, and then some uh, communication? And probably it goes against my grain as an agent, but probably have a have a period of time that they, that they have, which you would, you would happily renew if things are going swimmingly. And what would that period of time be? Probably in, initially. Well, it depends on the size of the development and and, and my, my pricing, but uh certainly been no longer than a couple of months.
1: Yeah.
0: Initially. So we'll, we'll go with that. And if you're happy and they're, they're doing, the, doing, the, doing the work, well, it's, it, it's, it's easy to continue if things are happening or there's reasons why they're not.
1: Yeah, well, if they're not, what's what approach do you take as an agent then going back to the developer?
0: Well, things aren't happening. Well, our job is to create it. So if, uh, if I'm not getting inquiry... And I wait and expect that to change without making any changes. Well, immediately, what is it? A do the same thing and expect a different result. It's, that, doesn't, that doesn't work at all. So you have to change your internet, you have to change, you have to look at your pricing if, if that's the feedback. But often it's not pricing because the inquiry aren't published. So if they're not calling you, there's something else wrong. Um, yeah, the style of your marketing that you're doing. Uh, where 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 are you doing it? Do I need some local letterbox drops? Do I need some some other other advertising? Some some other media or mediums to do so? Uh, have, have we have we followed up? Have we we, we um, rejuvenated the the sales force? Is there sufficient incentive? Give them some incentive. So. This uh, might be what would be an example of an incentive. Well, there's different types of in- incentive, and it's interesting to see what works. It's not just pay a lot more money. I had a fellow like in our Sandringham office who was rather you know, if you gave him a bonus of bonus commission, if you got a price, you get an extra five hundred dollars or a thousand dollars. That's nice, but it wasn't the motivator itself. But I said to one owner, he said, oh, "I would I said, "No, just." Give him um, top shelf scotch, one bottle of something that he wouldn't maybe do a scotch drinker and he wouldn't spend one hundred and fifty-two dollars on a bottle of scotch. So I said, you promise him one of those if he gets you that result, he does a good job. And that's all he could see was this bottle of scotch he was going to get. And he got it and he was wrapped. So uh, what motivates the consultant? You just want them to be thinking of your property. Because a good agent will have others, and they respond to whatever inquiry is there, and they'll, they'll do stuff, but, so, but you're in contact with them too. It's a bit of a squeaky wheel. How are we going? I've got one now. It sends me a text me every day. Uh, and I've got I've, to I've not be tempted to be sucked into giving news that isn't there. I'm hoping this person will come back, and it is just a forlorn hope, so just tell them the truth. Nothing today, but, but I'm on it. I'm thinking of it. That's all you want. I'm thinking of your, your development. Someone rang me today and I'm I'm already on to them and we're back. Then you'll know that your agent's working for you.
1: And so that's a good point because quite often agents will have a number of projects. So how do you... Are there any other ways you can uh, keep it front and centre or keep them focused on that
0: or uh, your project? uh, Well, that's just the communication with them and saying, making sure that the agent... Doesn't have any excuses in that you haven't given him something that is needed, not, and it's not just more advertising. It's not just more advertising mm-hmm. that, because there is a limit to that cost. Do they, do they have the the tools of their trade? Do they, do they have what they need to, to give the people? And is it is a good material that no, will not cut back, not, not cheap renders from China that don't look very good or you know, that, that sort of stuff? But it's really just being in touch with them. There are some, well, I mentioned agencies. An agency there's a, there's a lot of big, the bigger developments but their big goal is to come and slash the price, sell a few of them and then move on. So they've sold some easier ones and then when it gets hard because they, if you've got 50 in there then there'll be a few that you'll get a wave up first and then it's a bit of a slog. And then you go to another agency and they've got the slog and it's harder. So they just take the cream So be careful that, uh, that whoever your, your point is in, is, is in it in for the longer, a bit slightly longer haul. And listen to the feedback and talk about the pricing, the finishes, bits and pieces in there to make sure that you, you change what you're capable of changing.
1: And are you seeing any emerging trends coming in with marketing and selling off the
0: plan? Uh, the market's been quite strong. You know, the real estate market post-GFC, has got, uh, post-2010 went down a bit, but in recent times been quite strong. The, the selling off the plan has become harder in the last six months. Some of the companies that were doing it themselves are now coming to agencies for help because they were doing their own developments because they didn't need us and now they do again and it's, it has become a bit harder. Part of that is the, is the perception that there's, you read in the papers, there's too many. I mean, you look up how many approvals there are, how many apartments there are, and who's going to buy them and I still get surprised that still are still buying some of, some of the ones that I wouldn't have bought. And then you read about financing in Dockland and South Air around the city that they're not giving you any more finance. Or they will value them at 70 or 80% of the value and then give you 60% of that. So it's, it's harder to finance. And, and there's a little bit of that happening and people can't settle. So it's become a bit tougher um, to sell them. So as a developer, you need to understand the time. Of that, but that's part of your feasibility. Because if you're selling them within a month, it's good. If it's going to take six months, your holding costs will be different. So make sure that's all factored in and you understand what that is or ease the price a bit. That's the agent's favourite trick, isn't it? Well, at the end of the day, if no one's buying them I and mean, they've taken away everything else, if you say a house for sale, it's been for sale for a while on a good market, it's usually at the end. And I, I don't know, probably they went through four agents I so said, "When's he only going to realise it's not the agent's fault because he hasn't changed his price?" And, and people are looking at it. And trust me, the agent doesn't get paid anything for not selling. So you do try. When you try to try and sell it. It's that communication. So yeah, find the agent that's going to be honest and frank with you, and understands development, and he's going to be honest and frank and really, really try. It. As an agent per se is you. They're representing you. They are you in the marketplace. So if get someone that predominantly does what they do if it's theirs. Providing you've already established the back to good decisions and they don't hang out the prices that can't be can't be got, but that they're in there, they're gonna try and they read a buyer. and they say I've got one here and we can we, we can do the business.
1: And so if you've got one top tip for developers out there, what would it
0: be? Uh, We'll do some research but take the advice look at the advice of people who are involved in this on what you develop if you're developing them to sell it's not your favorite color not the style of property that you want it's what the market will will, will accept or or will desire so you might be a contemporary guy you might live in a period house or you might want, want some particular things i wouldn't live there you're not living there so give the market what wants that's a bit of that's a bit of research. Uh, a decade ago, a chap was doing some townhouses in Hampton and he had a style I said, they're not, they were, they were too different. But this is a concept he had in his head and I misread it in, in our first meeting. I said, that's, they're, that's not the look. He built them anyway and got them to another agent and came back to me later and said, you're all right." is he couldn't sell them, like, a compromise on price, because he built what he, he gave the public what he wanted to give them. So, really, it's the design. It's the, it's the beginning. And uh, if you're a developer, your pro- your profit or the success of your of your development is the day you buy the land. some took a up of other things like the market and, and timing, but you buy it in average spot and you're, it's average. So you pay too much for the land. You can't just add that onto the price at the other end. So feasibilities are quite important, and there's a margin there, and then you do it, and price them appropriately so you're in there for reasonable times on all stages. Don't get bogged down in the first stage of trying to sell them for too much. The first week or two or three of a selling campaign are quite important. After then, people have dismissed them even if they've dropped the prices. They've looked at them, no and it's not, they won't even often decide that they don't like it because it's dear, it's, it, that's the real reason. But the money, are no, no, it's not worth it. They need to get your label. It's not worth that. Even even drop the price, but it's not worth it. The finishes weren't, weren't up to speed. So it's like the finishes weren't right, but the finishes may have been right for the current price but they weren't right for the first price, whatever that reason is. So just get, 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 uh, get things right in the first place, get, get them organised in the first place, don't go to the market half-baked, don't listen to Bulldust. Work with someone. Get with someone that you think you can actually work with. And say, well, whilst we work together, we'll stick together.
1: Yeah, it's an important point because you are going to work with that person for a number of years, really. Can be.
0: Has a lot of effort. And people say, I'll give you X percent, you know, for selling and we have a percentage commission right? X percentage and but they it's the same as if they turned up at the end. He sell this, or you're in the beginning, it's it is very different. It should be very different. There's a lot, a lot of work to have meetings with architects in the beginning, saying we're going to planning. Planning's going to be six to twelve months. And you think, well, I'm not paid by the hour. You go you can see your lawyer. He doesn't say, well, I'll do the first half year for free, <laughs> hoping he'll select me to represent you in court. So there's, a, there's a, there, there is a balance there. So. It's a bit of loyalty from and trust from both ways then you've got a good relationship unfortunately that can't always be the case that can't always be the case But if, and there's not a lot of experience out there on doing these and it is a different method of selling it's easy to sell a house that's there, you can walk through there, the bedrooms, I know what happens in bedrooms, but we've got to sleep here, etc. I know what happens in the kitchen and I can see it and feel it and touch it and I look around and it's there. We're selling an idea and a concept and it's up on the third level at the, at the rear, which way is the sun facing if they're interested in the sun. All that, all that sort of thing. So you're selling an idea, it's different selling. And the normal salesperson can't do it. The normal residential person can't sell a shop. Why? It's a shop. They... No, that's commercial. It's not my no, no, that's not my thing. It's it's, it's just an un, un, understandable, thing. It's not that hard. Well,
1: Talk me through a little bit more about this idea about selling the idea, yeah. the different kind of selling
0: with off the plan. Well, part of that is because you don't have. I mean, it's to have models um, built. They cost thousands of dollars, and most developers won't do this. So, to look at so you're 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 selling the. The idea, or you're trying to mould that idea to to what they're looking for. So this is going to, this is a good investment. This is why, and the facilities around here, and the tenancy rates, and what's going to happen here, and the rental return, and uh, people buy property for what uh, growth and return, or return and growth. It's, what, it's depending on where they are in the cycle. So it's it's good news stuff. So you'll, you'll have uh, rental estimates and, and and show them what what has happened around here, what's expected back in the in the heady 80s they had all these plans on what your rental growth would be what your capital growth would be what your returns would be they had tables that bore in up up no resemblance on what actually occurred but people bought into that for investment want, why are they buying it and then they form the picture in their head of how it's going to look even investors will buy something they like it's as though would I live here or would I let my kid live here despite the fact it's going to be rented It's to the other side of town and all, all they really buy for it is yeah, what, what are they buying for so you're packaging up you like blue paper with a, with a red ribbon guess what go demons here, here, here it is so package it up and get that picture picture, picture going in them or it's it numbers one satisfy them that this is the one they, people will look at more, more than one development if you're, if you're buying a property, you see what's available. If you're buying property off the plan in Bayside or in a, in a suburb, you look at what's available. So go on to the net and see which competition is. As an agent, if I'm selling anything. So if I'm selling a property worth $1.5 million, I want to know what's from one three to one seven available because that's what your buyers will be. They'll have no idea what's a $1 million or the $5 million, nor do they care. So what are you up against? How do you compare? What are your points of difference? Oh, I'm looking at that other one around the corner and in that, that street. So you know, I know those and then point out what yours has that they may not have. They might have something you don't have, but you might not give that any, any sunlight, but something that you do have. Our rooms are slightly bigger. We've got two bathrooms. We have an on We've got a, an extra spot. We have a storage cage and maybe the other one doesn't. And you're might just show those differences that we've had some other buyers looking at that one as well and their comments have been they like the fact that we have storage cages the other buyers have said that they, um, they, they like the, our orientation our, the balcony is bigger here so it's not your opinion as your biased of course it's the other buyers opinion alright Campbell tell us what's one of
1: the most difficult or the toughest business decision you've ever had to
0: make as we touched on earlier so uh, they're different Toughest ones harder. Um, difficult ones. you know, look back in hindsight. It's it, it, they're difficult ones are the ones that have a high risk attached to them. Gen- generally, when you you're taking a punt, uh, and I say to people now, I, I was took uh, that's your real personal risk profile, and I had a higher risk profile when I was younger than I do now. And uh, so when we we bought the business, this, this business we worked at for Hodges, and then we bought it in in ninety one. And had to sell everything, so we put all we put we put it all on black. We went, We're all in. My cards are good, and uh, that that was a risky decision. I didn't think it, it wasn't super difficult at the time, but it turned out to be much harder work. I thought it was a, a walk a walk up star, but it turned out to be much harder work. And uh, most of the hard work, as any other business person with a company will tell you, is the people is employee relations they start their staffing and, and that's changed over the years and, and it's just got got harder with the different generations But the staffing. so that, that's probably the looking back the, it was the a, a decision that was probably the bravest uh, tough ones um, tough ones where, where, where it's, it's you have a fork in the road uh, you have to decide what style of business you have I had a a, a mentor or my first my first boss, whenever I gave him a decision, asked him, and I, and I do the same now. They, they say it was always which was the right one to go. We might better make a decision on about selling a property, and one way would we we would benefit slightly more than the other way. And he, his answer, which was a good lesson to learn, was um, which is the which is the right decision. And often that was the one that, would, that would, might line your pocket with an extra thousand dollars and you say take the, take the take the right decision so maintain your ethics in that but there's some some little decisions you have all the way because everyone gets tested sell it to me and I'll look after you sell it to me and you'll get my house for sale compromise what they're really asking compromise a little bit for me and uh, don't open that cupboard and put a skeleton in there because it'll haunt you later so there's no point so but top decisions are partners, letting go of a partner, letting go of staff. I find still letting people go the hardest who haven't made it easy for you. So they haven't done the wrong thing. They're nice people. They're just not going to make it. And uh, so still, I don't think you can enjoy that. No, I remember hearing
1: someone use a term, of phrase called killing the bambies to ensure your business grows. Uh, Which is that example where are yeah. nice people, they're good, oh, they're nice, they're, but they're just
0: not, not right busy. for your business and helping it to grow. Yeah. But don't hide behind, that's business. People do the, do the wrong thing. Like, I shaft you. Mate, that's business. It's not business. It's personal ethics. So, so you can sleep at night. So what's that old? Do unto others? Would you would you mind if that person did exactly the same to you? That's a, that's a good test like the one you tell your kids. If you can't tell your mother about it, you shouldn't be doing it. <laughs> 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 but it, it's here. Well, it's, it's, if it, that happened to you, there's lots of people say, oh, do this, do this. So, And then the first one's to scream if, if it was turned back on them. So just be, just be careful. And uh, There's not so black and white. There's, there's white and then there's, an, there's a band of grey in the middle and then there's black. And as agents, you'll often work in the grey area, which means you might not tell someone something. Like, I'm not going to tell someone that there's a dodgy stump in the back corner of the house. So don't go around pointing out all the faults of the house that you're trying to sell. But there is, you hide behind a bit of cave in it or there, people do their research, I say this, but you don't misrepresent. Things are what they are, but you'll get caught out later. So, represent it, represent the positive things, but... uh, so they're, they're, they're tough decisions for a while until it becomes the right habit and uh, I over the years now look at people and, and whoever they are, if they're older it could be my mother or father, if they're my age it could be my brother or my best mate, if they're younger it could be one of my kids and say so what would I do for them or what would I do for it if it was mine and it's an easy decision because you are looking for the best outcome Providing the ethics of it. Well, you're basing on the assumption that you like all those people you've just referred to. <laughs> no, yes, you do. You're a mess you like, of course. And one, you tend to like your mother even, uh, even <laughs> anyway, unless there's something about them. But you do, you look at it and say, what would I do? And you, there are a lot of people that have no idea about real estate or what to do. Why do people turn up on Saturday, put their hand in the air for $2 million, having never done it before? and not knowing what's going on around them, to two, another 10, another 20, 30, 40, be off at 50 now, and they're doing this and they've never done it. Yet if they were arguing with a neighbour about a $10,000 fence, there'd be lawyers at 10 paces. For $10,000, but for $2 million, you stand there. And hope. Well, that's a discussion for
1: another time. <laughs> yes, so. it is, it is. It is hope. All right, well... well Campbell Cooney, thanks so much for being on the Property Developer Podcast and sharing your insights and lessons with us. I'm very grateful to you.
0: Interesting questions. You're a good interviewer. Thank you. i try and uh, tease out some good information from people. Hard-hitting. That's good. You should be one of those... TV programs and get my, ask asked awkward questions or get get the answers instead of what they want to tell you. That's right. I've got my TV crew outside the door ready to start uh, <laughs> following you back to your office. Got to pin pin
1: Trump. <laughs> That's a good one. No, thank you for being on the show. It's been great talking with you and I really appreciate your time. You're welcome. Thank you very much. All right. There you go. What a great discussion around selling development properties. I always find it fascinating speaking with agents about how they go about selling property off the plan as they usually have some good tips and insights into how to best get a sale. I forgot to ask Campbell how people can contact him, and he said email would be the best. So his address is ccooney at hodges.com.au. So that's c-c-o-o-n-e-y at h-o-d-g-e-s com au. Here are a couple of lessons I took away from my discussion with Campbell. one. Work with the agent. Campbell mentioned how it is better to work with the developer, not for the developer. And I think if you can develop a partnership approach with the selling agent, then you will get a better result. Involving them in design discussions or seeking their feedback on market wants is a great way to tailor your product to what the buyers want, not what you think they want or what you like. And this leads into lesson two. Figure out who your buyers are. I am sure many developers assume they know who their buyers are and what they want, and possibly they do. I know I was quite surprised by the mixture of buyers when I met some of them at the inspections that we held. There were groups of buyers that I hadn't expected to buy into the project. Selling agents are at the front line of the market, speaking with people every day and hearing what they like or dislike. So tap into that market intelligence and give the buyers what they want or find ways to incorporate differences in your offering to what other projects may have. Just make it an easy decision for a buyer to choose your development. Three, have the answers for the most common questions. Campbell talked about being ready with the most common questions he will usually get from buyers. Things like ceiling heights, finishes, owners' corporations, fees, etc. So have that information ready for the agent when the project is going to hit the market. It can be easy to gather that stuff along the way rather than at the end when you are madly trying to launch the selling campaign. So check with your selling agent about what information they might like and how it can be presented to them, and also how it might be given to the buyers. If the agent can quickly answer these questions, it will help to overcome objections and build trust. Okay, we are just about at the end of another show. Remember, you can find all the past episodes of the show over at www.propertydeveloperpodcast.com, including other conversations I've had with selling agents. So if you are interested in selling, then try episode 24 with David Stewart, episode 9 with Tony Smith, and episode 6 with Sam Gaiman. And don't forget to catch all my latest developing photos and videos on Instagram at Property Developer Podcast. Thank you again for listening in. I really do appreciate it. And until next time, may all your projects sell fast and high. You've been listening to the Property Developer Podcast. Tune in next time for more tips, ideas, and inspiration to take your developing to the next level. For more developing love, make sure to visit
0: propertydeveloperpodcast.com.